Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. For more information about us, visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. All right, well, it's time. Um, if you're visiting, just so you know kind of how we, what we do here. We, every Sunday, we let one person from our congregation, we give them four minutes. Sorry. Okay. We give them four minutes to just share their story. And we do that in an effort to just um, to really create community, to really get to know each other so that we can risk being known and still be accepted. Amen? So it's not a second sermon or nothing like that. It's just four minutes to hear somebody's story. Today's story is my man, Victor. Come on. God bless you guys. Um, basically, my story is um, on how much I know God is always there for me, even though I've been stupid. Um, I used to, I grew up in church all my life, and uh, I always wanted to, to, to find God, but I was always lazy, I was always doing the wrong things, I was always slacking off, I was always being stupid. And um, something happened at my church was very discouraging for me, and uh, I just had the attitude, it was like, God, if you can't, if you can't, be there for me, if you can't, you know, help me out in this time that it was very hard for me, then I don't want you, you know what I'm saying, I don't want, I don't have nothing to do with you, I don't want anything to do with you, so with me hanging out with the wrong crowd, uh, I smoked a little cigarette because I was stressed, and uh, everybody knows that that little cigarette, when the devil, you give a devil a little bit, he flings open the door, so that cigarette turned into weed every day, I smoked weed, say about twice a day, just to get rid of the pain in my personal life and in my spiritual life. And uh, one day, um, I was hanging out with a so-called friend, and he thought it would be funny if he slipped angel dust in my weed. And uh, we was outside, and I smoked it, and um, it hit instantly. Wow. Hit my... I was on a bridge. We were walking on a bridge, and all of a sudden, I was looking at him, and I just see these demons jump out of him. And I'm just like... I stepped back, and I was like, oh... And I tried to shake it off. I was like, okay, this is, I'm going crazy. I'm just all in my mind. And um, we was at the ledge of a bridge, and on the bottom of a bridge is a highway. So my friend was like, yo, Vic, check this out. And I'm, I'm high on angel dust. And all of a sudden, I'm at, this is the railing of the bridge, and I'm over the bridge like this, looking at the cars come by. And I'm, I snap back, and my friend is pulling me over. Vic, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I was wild. So on the way back, on the way back from where we finished smoking, um, I was, I, I started seeing things. I was hearing demons. I was looking at my hands, and my hands looked like uh, Mickey Mouse gloves. You know how big they are? And I was just like, oh, man, I was started tripping in the street. And everybody was looking at me, and I just started screaming and crying in the middle of the street. And um, I went back in my job, and I, was put, I tried to put cold water on my face, and I, I just got down on my knees, and I started praying to God, God, please, please take this away. I'll never do it again. And... Uh, the high lasted for about 14 hours, and I just remember the enemy making a mockery out of me while I was high on the angel dust. I remember I hear him. I heard him laughing at me. He was making uh, noises in the walls. He was just every, anything he could. I had suicidal thoughts, anything he could to try to make me just go crazy. So 
the next day comes and I still feel it and uh, days go on, I still feel it. And I'm just like, God, is this ever going to go away? Is this ever going to go away? And uh, sure enough, on the way home one day, I caught the high all over again. And I just called the ambulance. I had to go to the hospital. I was like, yo, I got to go to the hospital. This is crazy. So I went in the hospital, and uh, the nurses were asking me, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? And I was just saying, oh, I caught, I caught food poisoning. I caught food poisoning. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want them to be on my record. I won't get a job with, you know what I mean? So long story short, my dad comes to the hospital, and he doesn't know anything. And right in front of the nurses and the doctors, I was just like, listen, um, dad, I smoked angel dust, and... I started crying right in front of all the doctors and nurses. I started crying in the emergency room, and they were just, my dad just looked at me, had tears in his eyes, and he just walked away disappointed. And I remember laying on the hospital bed, and my dad coming back, and he was just asking me, what's, what's wrong with you? Why did you do that? Why did you do that? And I was just saying, you know, Dad, I, I, I feel so depressed. I can't, you know what I mean? I, I, I can't, you know. I, he said, well, why, if, if you love God so much, why, why, would you, why would you do something like that? You know, God wouldn't be pleased with that. And I told him, I said, I don't love God anymore. And right then and there, while I was on a hospital bed, I, I was still, I was going crazy. I was fear, I had fear in my heart. I was, my mind was going crazy. And right then and there, I heard God tell me, he said, my plan for you is not to be on this hospital bed. My plan is something greater than this. And out of all the fear and all the drugs in my system, I calmed down. And I just started weeping, 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 weeping. And I just asked God back into my life on a hospital bed. And ever since then, I've been awesome. So, uh, and I was home, after I got home from the hospital, I was, I, I, I was laying in bed and I was praying and all this, and then God showed me a vision that while I was high on angel dust, even though I was stupid, while I was high on the drug, he was standing there with me across the street so I could cross the streets, standing there with me so I don't jump over the bridge, standing, standing there with me so I don't slip my wrist, and standing there with me just to give me that peace so I could survive that high. And I just want to thank God for being there for me while I was being stupid. Amen. He's been there for a lot of us while we were being stupid. Amen. Anybody testify? Amen. Good. So you know you're not alone. Amen. All right. All right. Wait, before we, you know how we got to get started, right? Everybody stand up for a second. If you don't know, now you know there's a two hug minimum. Go and get two hugs quickly. Get back to your seats. We got, make sure those that raise their hands that are here for the first time. Make sure they get some hugs.
Amen, amen. Roll that again. Roll it again. My fly girls and everything dancing, but I figured that might be taking it a little too far. Next week, next week. It's a series. We can we go do it next week. <laughs> Amen. I wanted us, um, we're going to start today, and I'm really excited about a worship series. We're going to start a series on worship. I don't care. I'm not even setting, like, how, how long it's going to be. Maybe we'll go to, from Genesis through Revelations and just learn about worship in every book. But I just think it's something that we need to get as, as, as a body of Christ. We need to understand worship. Amen. And so I wanted to present a message series entitled, In Living Color. And let me tell you where I got that from. In Romans 12, 1, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Amen. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. Okay? And then if you jump down to Matthew 5.13, it says, let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. We're here to be Christian adobo. Amen? So it, it says, let me tell you a different way. It says there, here's another way to put it. You're here to be the light bringing out the God colors in this world. So God says from Paul to Matthew, he says, we're here to be in living color for this world. Amen? Isn't that exciting? Living color. Some of us have been, for too long, we've been just black. Just gray. Right? And God said, you're supposed to be color. Living color. How else are people going to know that it's good on this side unless we're the color and we're the seasoning, that adobo that brings out the flavor. Amen? So, in living color is the title of this message series. And, and so, when I say, how you living, you say, what? How you living? How you living? In living color. Amen. All right. Amen. Amen. We'll do the, we'll do the fly girls next week. I heard, I, heard, I heard a comment from someone yesterday at our picnic. We had a lot of uh, people that just came with friends and family. It was, it was a great time. There was probably about 200 people there. And um, we played 2,000 maybe. About a thousand heads up there in Tibbetts Park, and 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 we all had a. I'm Cuban. I exaggerate a little bit. Come on, it's not lying. It's exaggerating. Amen. So, I heard a comment from one of them that said, "Listen, um, um, yeah, I had a great time." Somebody was asked, you know, how they have, how how you know, did they have a good time and stuff? And they said, "I had a great time," but those people are too nice to be church people. That's great, but sad, isn't it? Great but sad that those people are too nice to be church people. After I let them beat me in softball, they're going to make a comment like that. You know I could have called the anointing of God down and just and hit the ball out the park every time. I had to restrain and hold back the glory. No, amen. God is good. Here's my quote. You know, I like to start with a quote. Here's a quote. 
The highest worship that we can offer God in this life is to live, to love, to sing, to pray, to study, to spend, to invest, to sacrifice in ways that will call as much attention as possible to the glory and grace of Jesus Christ. Somebody says, say it again, so I say it again. The highest worship we can offer God in this life is to live, love, sing, pray, study, spend, invest, sacrifice in ways that will call as much attention as possible to the glory and grace of Jesus Christ. John Piper says, missions exists because worship does not. Hmm. That's an indictment on the body of Christ. Missions exist. We got to have missions. We got to talk about missions and we got to be missionaries and we got missions exist because worship does not. So if you flip that around, that means if, if we were all worshipers in living color, we wouldn't need missionaries, would we? We wouldn't need missions because everybody, we, we'd bring out the God colors everywhere we went. Right? In every party, in every picnic, in every, in every house, in every job, in every school, they'd be like the colorful person. And I, I don't mean that in the wrong way, but like the person that's just radiating salt and light and color. And we wouldn't need, we wouldn't need to tell nobody. You understand? Because it would just come out of us. We just bring out the God flavors. People get next to us and get thirsty because when, you know, salt makes you thirsty. So people get next to us and just get thirsty and they say, man, I just want to be with you. I just, I, I remember at my job, at my old job when I, I had a secular job and I had a lot of my friends were Jehovah Witnesses and, and they would hit me with all their stuff and then we'd have fun back and forth because I was like, man, poor guys. And, and I just, you know, we'd, I just have such a, but I remember the guy telling me, the guy like fell in love with me in a good way. Don't, you know, get it twisted. But he told me his wife is jealous of me because he tells his wife, I don't wanna I don't wanna take a day off of work because I don't wanna I wanna be with George. Isn't that weird? Ain't that weird? But because he just enjoyed being around me. He, and I was his supervisor. So you would think, you know, I hate the guy, right? And I was his supervisor. He enjoyed being around me. That's how we gotta be. Amen. We got to be that kind of seasoning, that kind of salt, that kind of light, that in living color, it just makes people, that even though they got their eyes closed, just they're excited to be around you. Glory to God. So the, to understand God's heart on worship, I want to start right at the beginning. We got to go right to where he started, right? The first things God spoke. So we'll go right to Genesis. And did you know that if you look through all of Genesis, when God created everything, the first 21 chapters of Genesis, that's a pretty big chunk. It doesn't mention worship once. Not one time does he mention worship. Isn't that strange? He's setting everything up the way that everything should be. And not one time does he mention worship. Worship doesn't get mentioned in any version of the Bible until chapter 22 of Genesis. And look what it says. When Abraham said to his servants, stay here with the donkey, the boy and I are going over there to worship. You remember the story, Abraham and Isaac? The boy, he, he, he tells, the, God tells him to sacrifice his son. He's going to go kill his son. And the first time worship is mentioned in Genesis, he tells his servants, stay here. The boy and I are going to go over there to worship. And that's the first time that we hear about worship. He was going to take his son and kill him and offer him on, on an altar as a sacrifice to God. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? 
Doesn't that kind of make you think and kind of make you, like, what, what's going on here? I don't understand. Why, you know, why is worship, you know, that, that power, why is it brought forth that way in the first time? Let's understand what worship means. Definition. Worship is made up of two words. Worth and, and, and the suffix ship. And so worth means the value or the level at which something or someone deserves to be valued at. And then when you put ship, when you put that suffix it, at, at the end of a word, it determines status. It determines the office or the honor, like membership, leadership, right? So it's a positional value when you put it after a word. So then worship is about determining positional value or the value at which something or someone deserves to be valued at. Isn't that powerful? So the first mention of the word, Abraham is offering up the promise that he had been waiting for for so many years. If you know the story, Abraham is kicking a hundred before he has this kid, he's been given this promise years back. They laugh at him now because he says he's going to be the father of many nations. And the man is 100 years old and still has no kids. And you know the whole story where they use the maidservant and try to manipulate it that way and that didn't work. Right? And so, and so the, the thing that he's been waiting for so long, his beloved son, the pride of his life, the joy of his heart, the thing that he's wanted more than anything else in this whole world, he's going to go now. He's on the trip, and he's going to go to offer it up to God. Those of you that have kids, try to understand that. And not on a bad day when you want to kill him, but, you know, on a... Not, not, you know, not on one of those days, but on the other day when, you're, when, when the kid, you know, make you a, a picture for your refrigerator or, or said, you're the best daddy in the whole world. You know, those rare occasions that you get, those little glimpses that you're like, you're overwhelmed with daddydom or mommydom, you know, and you just feel, well, picture on that day, God saying, um, okay, that one that made you the little picture, that's the last picture he's going to make you. I want you to offer him up to me. Sacrifice him. Go worship on the mountain. Worship means killing him. And so this is, he's, he's giving, you know, he's, he's offering up to God and he's saying, God, depending on the, the definition of worship, he's saying, God, you deserve the very best. And here's my best. Here's the best that I have, my son. So the, isn't it interesting that the first time worship is mentioned in the word, it has nothing to do with music. Right? When we say worship, we always think music, right? How many people leave a church because I don't like the worship there? Or go to another church because I like the worship there. I like the worship leader. When was the worship ever about us? It wasn't meant for you. Right? When was the last time that, you know, or the last time that you said, man, I really enjoyed worship. I wonder if God that morning felt the same way. Because isn't that what really matters? Right? Or does it matter that we entertain ourselves? For that, go to a concert. It's not about, it's not a concert, right? We're not performing here. But it's interesting that people will leave churches. They will bounce from church to church because of the worship. At the first time that worship is mentioned in the, in the word of God, it has nothing to do with music. Here's my idea. I believe the church today makes worship all about music because it allows us to worship God and then live however the hell we want to live. Am I right? Anybody walking out yet? It gets worse, trust me. I'm just giving you a warning. But, but see, if we make worship about music, then we could go to church and get our worship on and say, and, you know, cry and everything, go to the front and get down the altar, have emotional breakdowns and, and everything, right? But then when we leave here, we're, we did. We did our worship. We're good. Now I could curse my kid out. I could slap my wife. I could steal, steal from my job. I could do anything I want because I already got my worship on. You understand? 
We're going to learn what worship really is today. See, see, we preach this all-accepting, unconditional, God-loving gospel, and, and that is the truth. Jesus loves you just the way you are. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter who you were. Yes, that is true. Unconditional, God-loving, merciful, graceful. But that's not the message. The message is not that Jesus loves you so much he doesn't care who you are or what you're doing. The truth is he doesn't care what you've done. He doesn't care who you've been in the past. But he does care immensely about what you intend to become and what you propose to do from this day forward. Thank God for Larry. I got one amen. See, if you know how the story ends with Abraham and Isaac, he's about, he has him on the wood and he got the big dagger up in his hand and he's about, I picture the whole thing in my head, right? And he's about to just kill him. And God says, stop. Now I know that you love me. Because you gave me your very best. You gave me the thing which you loved more than anything else. Because you loved me, now I know that you loved me. And he says, stop. And he doesn't, and he doesn't uh, have to kill him. And if you know the story, there's a ram caught in the bush by coincidence, right? There just happens to be a ram caught in the bush. And so God provides the lamb. They bring the lamb. They untie the boy. And, and basically, if you look at that, that becomes a, pro- a prophetic word, a prophecy from, from the Old Testament to the New for Romans 12.1 because Isaac becomes the first living sacrifice. Oh, that's good. That's good for me. I don't know if you guys didn't feel that one. He becomes the first living sacrifice. He was offered up to be killed. You understand? To be slaughtered. I mean, it's, it's disgusting. It's brutal. It's, it's raw. But that's what the word says. He was about to be just chopped and offered up to God. And, and he was spared and God provided the sacrifice. It's the first gospel right there. Right? And, and so he becomes the first living sacrifice. Now, think about being Isaac for a moment. He, he walked willingly to the place of sacrifice. And, and, you know, being maybe a teenager, a young boy, he's walking with his dad, and they've probably had sacrifices and offerings and stuff. And, and he's thinking, you know, man, dad got the wood. I'm carrying the wood. Dad has the knife. We got the flint. Start the fire. Hmm. Where's the sacrifice? Because, you know, when there's a sacrifice, something has to die. And so, you know, he must, that must have gone through the boy's head, right? I mean, if we know our young, our young people, somebody's going to ask the question. And so he, he was definitely thinking that way because in verse 7 he says, Hey, Dad, we have wood and we got flint and the knife and all that, but where's the sacrifice? And, and his father says something incredible. God himself will provide the sacrifice. But I'm sure that that got very confusing to Isaac when in the very next verse it says, Daddy's tying him up to the wood. Wait, 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 hold up, hold up, Dad. You said God is going to provide the sacrifice, Dad. I know you're over 100, and things might not be, you know, maybe things aren't functioning correctly, but right now you're tying me to the wood. I got an issue with that. How many young people you know would allow a 100-plus old man to tie him to, 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 the, to wood, Right? A hundred-year-old man, you could probably just blow on him. Back up. Dad, you lost your mind. I'm not going to let you kill me. You know what I'm saying? So it doesn't tell us in the Word, but there had to have been some sort of submission there to allow himself 
to be tied to the wood. They must have had some kind of faith system. Some kind of belief must have been there that, wait, God said, my dad said that God is going to provide the sacrifice. And I'm being tied to the wood right now. And I, I don't understand what's going on, but there had to be some sort of, of sacrifice there. You understand? Some sort of submission. And if you, if you kind of play with the words that you think about, it, it's a picture of the gospel. It's, it's Jesus going, coming to sacrifice. And it's Jesus at the wood being tied up saying, Father, take this cup from me if there's any other way. But let your will be done. It's a picture of Jesus, isn't it? Isn't that beautiful? No? It was for me. So he walked willingly to the place of sacrifice. And, and, and the, word, you know, the word tells us, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing and acceptable to God. It's what God wanted from the beginning. He didn't want worship meetings. He didn't want people to, to you know, he wanted us to bring out the God colors. You know that God didn't want church? God didn't want us to go to church. I saw a t-shirt the other day. It says, don't go to church. On the back, it said, be the church. Amen? God didn't want us to go to church. He wants us to be the church. We're so messed up, we need church. So let me not get it twisted. No, nobody show up next week. This, we live in New Testament. We done blew it. We, you had a chance of not going to church. Now we need church. Now God says we need it. But understand that his intention in the before was us to just be worshipers. Not to go to church, just to be his body. Just to be in that kind of fellowship. Amen? Did, did Adam and Eve, if we read all through the word, did Adam and Eve have worship meetings? Did they, did they go to a temple to worship? Did they set aside time to sing songs to please God? No. I, I, I don't find it anywhere. Did they have instruments? Did they have angelic choirs singing in the garden? I don't find anything of it. Be careful. Here's where we get raw. They were naked walking in the fields. <laughs> one man, one woman, naked, walking in the fields. They didn't have church. They didn't have, they didn't have time to sing together. They didn't have a word to read. They, they just had fellowship with each other. Amen? Here it comes. It's such a beautiful story that, you know, science tries again and again to retell it and call it evolution. But it, I, I read a scientist say that, you know, to explain just the human eye... It would take 38 phases of evolution to just create the eye the way the eye works. So if you think about that, 38 phases of evolution, evolution takes millions of years in between phases. So it would be 38 millions of years of people with no working eyes. How many cavemen have we find that were blind? Right? The Geico guys don't walk around blind. Do everywhere I go. There's always something to remind, right? No, we haven't found any evidence of 38 millions of years of people with no eyes. You understand how absurd the whole story, right? Science just tries to retell it, but it's such a beautiful story. And it says in Genesis 128 that God, after God made them, it says God blessed them. Here's a bonus sermon. Don't do anything without God's blessing. Don't move forward without God's blessing. Whatever God calls you to do, he blesses it. Amen? It doesn't matter if everybody else around you curses it. Been there. When God calls you to do something, he blesses it. Don't do anything without God's blessing. That's a sermon for somebody that needed that today. 
But here's what he tells them. Prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, take charge, be responsible for the fish and the sea and the birds in the air, for every living thing that moves on the face of this earth. He, does, he says prosper, reproduce. He doesn't say be broke. Isn't that awesome? That God's word doesn't, he doesn't make man and say be broke, be busted, be borrowers, be in debt. Be careful not to waste what I give you because it, it could waste. It could run out. Be careful. Make sure you, you save. Make sure. No. He says prosper. Amen. Be blessed. So he blesses them and, and tells them just, you know, be, be blessed. Prosper. Prosper means to succeed. So God blessed us for success. He blessed us and told us to succeed right in the beginning. We're going right to the beginning, right? We want to hear what God has to say about it. We're going right to the beginning. He says reproduce. This is deep. Reproduce means to produce again. Okay? And so we, we read the reproduce thing there and we say, well, it just means have babies, right? He told Adam and Eve, have sex and enjoy it. Oh, it gets quiet. <laughs> he says reproduce. But to reproduce, what are we doing a copy machine when we reproduce something? We make a copy of the original, right? So he says, make a copy of you. This is deep. He says, reproduce who you are. Make a copy of ourselves. Now, that doesn't just mean have babies. It means make a copy of yourself. That was the first great commission. Reproduce yourselves. Isn't that deep? Here's a side sermon for some of you. How many of you would be happy with and content and even proud of a copy of you? Amen. Good. Good. There's two of you raising your hand. The rest of us got to pray and work. How many of you would be, I mean, copy, uh, so proud and, and of, a, of a copy of exactly you, who you were, right? If you were to put on God's copy machine, and would you tell him, wait, 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 hold on. Let me clear this one area of my life up first. Anybody? Right? Would you say, wait, 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 hold up. I still got, let me work out some issues. Let me deal with some things. Let me deal with some anger, with some hurt, with some past hate, with some, let me deal with something before you make a copy. Because, you know, we don't, don't want to. I don't want you to copy this, right? Are, are, you, are, are, are some of you so um, satisfied as the fathers that you are that you'd want copies of you and say, yeah, that's a good father to give to anybody? This is deep. Are you, have you been like that great a mother that you say, yeah, put me on the machine, G. Make as many copies of me as you want because people need mothers like me. Right? Have you been, I mean, the, the brothers and the sisters, we got one confident sister. God bless you. God bless you. We got to believe it, amen, and walk in it. But realistically, if we ask ourselves all these things, we, we start doubting some things, and we start wanting to change some things, right? But God says, make a copy. Listen, make someone that lives just like you, that talks just like you. If you ain't living right, and, and let me give you, hit, hit you with this, the parents. If you ain't living right, and I say this all the time, your kids will perfect your sins. Perfect them. The ones that you just dabbled in, your kids will get it right. And then some. Anybody seen it? Come on. See, we're created in God's image and in his likeness. And, and so he's saying, if you, he's, he's telling Adam and Eve, you love God. You walk with God. You walk with me in the breeze of the day. Make kids just like you. Make more people like you. Making them more like me. Isn't that powerful? As we make people more like us, we make people more like God. That's the Christian adobo thing going on there. 
right? We season people. We bring out the God flavors of people. And we make them more like us. And in turn, we're making them more like Jesus, right? And so, see, and there's a side note here, too, because it says in, in verse 3, 8 that this was after the fall, after they, you know, did the whole thing and, 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 and ate, the, ate the fruit and got condemned and feel, felt, you know, guilty and everything. It says in verse 3, 8 that they heard the sound of God strolling in the garden in the evening breeze. The man and his wife, and they hid in the trees in the garden, hiding from God. So we, we have to get from this that they knew the sound of God strolling in the garden in the evening breeze. The evening breeze meant the afternoon. So they knew the sound of God. Can you imagine being so close to God that you know the sound when he's in your neighborhood, when he's in your life? And it says they knew the sound of him and they hid. That means that they, see, fellowship was something that was important to God. They enjoyed time with him. They recognized the sound of God strolling in the garden. Church, family, God still meets with us today, doesn't he? Do you recognize the sound of him strolling in the garden? Or do you think it's something else? Or do you think it's your horoscope? Do you think, oh, it's because if I'm a Capricorn and, 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 or do you think it's a fortune cookie? Well, no, they said I would meet somebody interesting today. No, is it, is it or, or is it the sound of God walking in my life? Oh, man. That's deep for me. Maybe it's just for me. I needed that. Important thing to note here, where was the command to Adam and Eve to pray? Where's the command to worship? It's not there, right? He said, eat, succeed, have sex, take charge. Could it be that in eating it was worship? Some of us get down with that, right? We're like, yeah, I'm a worshiper then. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of worship. See, it's not, in, it's not really in the eating, but it's in the provision. It's in trusting God for the provision. So, you see, when we say grace at, at, at our table, is it, is it, are we really trusting? You know, it's trusting that God has provided this. And so in that provision is worship. Isn't that deep? This isn't worship. This is not worship. This is not the full picture of worship. When you eat, it's worship as long as you're trusting God for the provision. Do you understand that you could worship God by eating? Some of you start a whole new ministry. I got the eaters, the, the big people ministry, the big worshipers or whatever you want to call it, right? So in eating and thanking him for it, it, it was worship. He told Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. In other words, in the Latin, have Right? Right? Have it and have a lot of it because we got to fill the whole earth. <laughs> could it be, and this is where it gets scandalous, could it be that in there was worship? Oh, some of you are not coming back now. <laughs> Nat's going, yeah! <laughs> could it be that in the lovemaking there was worship? Oh, this gets heavy. It's in your, it's in your Bibles. Go check it out. Could it be in that? Do you mean, the, you mean to say that when God gives man a wife, as he did in Genesis, whenever this man unites with his wife and becomes one with her in the biblical sense, that it's an act of worship? Oh, that's heavy. Some of you married couples go. Get out. Go worship. Could it be that intimacy, listen to me, intimacy is funny, but it's so powerful and it's so true. And it will change your life if you see it this way. Could it be that in intimacy, 
Don't play yourself. You hear worse than this on everything else. So don't, don't tell me that all of a sudden our teenagers are embarrassed. Get out of here. I see worse things than this on your MySpaces. Come on. Not yours. I'm saying. I'm saying. I'm saying. Not yours. I'm talking about in general. Amen? All right. So let's keep it. Let's keep it. Let's keep it real here. Could it be that that intimacy is an act of worship? That intimacy with your spouse, because, listen, intimacy with the spouse was obedience to God's word, right? He said, go do it. So it's obedience. And listen to me, obedience is always worship. Oh, that's a whole bonus right there. Take that. Every time you're obedient to your parents is worship. Come on, parents, give me some amens here. Right? Every time that you walk in obedience, it's worship. So what's disobedience then? All right. Notice, notice, and we got, I got to go there. Notice that he didn't create three women. He didn't make a blonde, a redhead, and a brunette and say, Adam, yo, check what's your flavor. See, see how, how you want to roll. He didn't have, Adam didn't have a choice and notice, sorry, I got to go there. Notice that he didn't put a man in the garden also and say, Adam, you could have an alternative if you want. No, not in the word of God, right? That's not what he says. There was no alternatives. There was no choice. Adam wasn't given that kind of option. There was no divorce and nor did he want it. He was so, he was so in with, with Eve. He followed this naked woman all the way around right to the fall. Right to the fall. Right? Here's, you're talking about a man that walks with God and hears with God, but he followed this naked woman right around to when she's talking to a serpent and he's just still... I mean, come on, something had to happen there, right? I mean, she had to be incredible because if, if for him not to be bothered with a snake talking to his wife, he's just looking at an apple, okay. <laughs> Whatever, you know, you're incredible, you're beautiful, you're gorgeous. So he followed this woman. He didn't want, he, 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 just, he followed her all the way to the fall. Bible says, be fruitful, reproduce, prosper, take charge, have dominion. Could it be that in succeeding, that's worship? Could it be that in taking charge and having dominion over everything is worship? Could it be that in having your affairs in order, your bills paid on time, you're making wise decisions with your finances, successful investments, could it be that that's worship? Oh, come on. Could it be that everyday life was just worship to God? That's powerful. That will change your world. Everyday life is worship. Everything you do, hidden or, or in secret, is worship or can be. See, God's design for worship was just living, not services. It was just living. That was God's plan. He had to change it all up and bring in sacrifice and bring in all of that because we messed up. But God's design for worship was just living in living color. Amen? See, God was saying even the very beginning to you and to me today, worship with your lifestyle. I love that. Worship with your lifestyle in living color. Could it be that the way I treat my wife or my husband is worship? let that sink in 
the way I treat my wife is worship. The way I treat my husband is worship. How, how would that change the way some of you and some of your relationships are affected? If, if the way I, God says, do unto those as you do unto me, right? And God says, do unto, whatever you do unto the least of these, you do it unto me. So, so God kind of puts himself in the position of your wife and in the position of your husband. And it says, the way you treat him, you treat me. The way you treat her, you treat me. The way you love her, you love me. Isn't that, that's, that's, that's an indictment, and that's a little scary. See, because that stops, that stops the phony, hypocrites, you know, hypocrite, religious type mindset that I go to church, get my suit on, and get my praise on, and get my worship on, and get my tithe, and I'm good. Go home, slap my wife, and treat her like garbage, abuse her, and, and talk down to her, and, and, and you know, be, be the macho man of the house, and, and abuse, and do. No, no, God says, whatever you do in her, you do to me. I'm in that woman. And so, the, so does that mean, women, that, you know, the way I treat my husband, the way I talk bad about him, the way I talk to other people about him, the way I abuse him, the way I neglect him, the way I hold back from him, I'm doing that to God. I'm holding back my worship. This should be life-changing if you really grasp this. Life-changing. Because now when I look at, and imagine me now, I, I, I had to write it and I had to read it to you. And so now my wife, all she got to do is look at me and go, recognize, son. You preached it. I got witnesses. It's on CD. It's on the internet. Everybody and their mother knows about it. You understand? So the position I put myself in, I have to be confident that I'm loving my wife the best way I could love her. And every day I try to lo learn to love her more. Every day I try to make her more a princess. Every day I try to, I want to meet her needs more and more. Every day. Why? Because, because that's worship. The way I treat her is worship. And she's an incredible wife to me. The way she treats me. And, and even if, maybe without even knowing this, the way she treats me is worship. And so that's why God answers her prayers. That's why God hears her when she prays and asks for silly things. And God gives it to her all the time. Why? Because she loves me. Because she treats me so well. That she's been worshiping God all along, way before she come to church. If this is the first time you come to worship in the day or in the week, and if it's the last time, you missed it. You're a hypocrite. You're, you're exactly what the world says that everybody in church is. That's why people could say, those people are too nice to be church people. So could it be the way that I love my kids could be worship? Could it be that the way I do my job that I was entrusted to do, could that be worship? The way I am with my friends, the way I am to strangers, the way I walk, the way I dress, the way I speak, could that be worship? The way I listen, the way I care, the way I go out of my way for others, the way I read, the way I study to show myself approved, could that be worship? The way I take things to God in prayer, could that be worship? The way I take prayer seriously, could that be worship? The way I attend church faithfully, the way I give sacrificially, could, could the way I sing a song even when I don't like it or dance even when it's not my music could that be worship Ooh. we can say that's not really my style of worship I like the hymns worship anyway amen I don't like rock worship anyway I don't like rap that's of the devil you, has he told you that then maybe you shouldn't be listening to him maybe you're talking to the wrong one amen 
Because I bet God throws it up there and bam, bam, bam. I bet God likes the beat and feels it and loves it. You understand? So when you start judging it, be careful who you're listening to. Amen? If all those things, and now here's where it flips. If all of those things are worship, then who am I worshiping when I don't do them? When I don't love my wife right, when I cause harm to my wife, when I deny her the security of my love and acceptance, who am I worshiping? When I mistreat and neglect and abuse my kids, who am I worshiping? When I curse my job and curse what I've been given to do, who am I worshiping? When I don't care about anyone but myself, when I don't listen, when I don't care what I do, what I listen to, what I read, what I look at, who am I worshiping? Who am I worshiping when I give myself sexually to someone that's not my wife or my husband in any way? Who am I worshiping when I violate God's ways and God's designs and call it alternative or call it something else, open-minded or whatever? Who am I worshiping? If worship is a lifestyle, listen to this, this is heavy, I'm, I'm closing. If worship is a lifestyle, then the question to ponder and ask ourselves today is not how are we worshiping, we're all worshiping. The question is who are we worshiping? Amen. And understand that God says God will not be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. All right? I need you to understand that we're accepting and we're loving and we want to love on you. We want to create family. But it doesn't mean that we're very tolerant of sin. It doesn't mean that we're just, yeah, whatever, sure, do whatever you want. No. If God said it ain't right, it ain't right. If it ain't right with God, it ain't right with us. And we're not going to judge you or condemn you. Come just as you are. But understand that God loves you too much to leave you that way. Amen? Oh, come on. Come on. So what are you sowing, church? What is, what is your lifestyle getting you ready for? The kingdom of heaven is prepared for those who are preparing for it. What are you preparing for? What are you getting ready for? Where is your life going to take you? How are you living? Is it in living color? And if it hasn't been, what do you need to do today to make things right? Let's pray. I've been praying this weekend about this message and about this series, and it's really something that's been really impacting in my, in my heart and in my, it's just been everything I breathe. Last night, I woke up almost every hour on the hour, and I would look at my clock and see, oh, man, it's only four. Oh, it's only five. It's only six. And every hour, almost every hour on the hour, I prayed, God, I, and I fell back asleep praying that God bring, bring conviction with this message. Bring, bring repentance. God, love on people so much that they can't help but to accept you. Love on people so much that they can't help but to make a life change. Open people's eyes, and this was every hour on the hour last night. Open people's eyes to the fact that they're preparing for one life or another. Please help them see, God, that, that there's, there's no options. There's one or the other, and, and the way we live our lives determines where we're going. Determines who we'd be with. And I prayed, I said, God, if, if just this little group of people would start to be in, in living color, then we need a new building next week. 
Not because I want a new building, but because I want more people to be freed from bondage. I want more people to be, see, God, God, Jesus says, I came to set the captives free. And I want people to be free. I don't want people to be bound in churches that are, that are just religious and tying people's hands. Jesus says, I came to set the captives free, not to visit them and do prison visits. So let's, if, if we would all kind of, let's just, just let, let's all stand as if we were all responding to this word, as if we all need it. I know so, I know so many of you got your lives together. You got everything in order. You're treating your wife the right way. You're treating your husband the right way. Uh, and young people, you're treating your parents the right way. And you're, you're doing everything. I know. But let's, let's all just respond right now as if we all needed this word. And, and for those of us that might just need a little bit of repentance, for those of us that might just need to, to make some things right, I'm going to ask that you would do that right now, that you would just start to cry out. If You don't have to speak it out loud, just, just in your heart. If you would just start to pray out and say, God, God, I, I want to worship you with my lifestyle. I want to worship you with all that I have. I want to worship you with the way I live. I want to worship you and when I eat, when I drink, when I walk, when I talk. I want it all to be worshiped to you, God. Father, forgive me for not knowing that those things matter to you. Or for not thinking that it mattered. If, if I'm speaking to any of you and you feel like responding, would you just come and join me up here and pray with me? If you're saying, God, forgive me. I may not have known that that mattered. The little things like eating and drinking and, 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 and the way I am with my friends and the way I talk about my job and the way I talk about my wife or my husband or the way I am towards strangers. Forgive me, God, for not understanding that that's worship. And forgive me for worshiping something that's not you. Forgive me for worshiping money. Forgive me for worshiping all kinds of other idols. It could be life-changing for you today. Because marriages could be healed like this right now. And, 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 and uh, relationships with our kids could be restored right now just like that. Just like that. Just by taking a step forward and saying, God, forgive me for not knowing that the way I treat my kids is worship to you. And teenagers, young people, come on. Humble yourselves and understand and say, just God, I, I didn't know. I didn't know. And just say, God, I, I, I want the way I treat my parents to be worshipped. done everything wrong understand i'm the first one where it says we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of god so understand that from me on to the to the the one in here that thinks he's the holiest you've all messed up 
These up here are just willing to admit it. They're willing to admit it and they're willing to make a change of it. And they're willing to try. And they're willing to get up again. And they're willing to make a decision and say, God, I'm going to worship you with my eating, with my drinking, with my breathing. Let every time I inhale and exhale, let it give you glory, Lord God, as you intended from the beginning, before the fall. I don't know about you, church, but I'm tired of worship services. It'd be so different if we just came to worship and everything that we did. Everything. ministry team could come and pray with those that are here or if you're here yourselves just pray with each other amen father we thank you lord god we thank you for your loving mercy lord i thank you lord for everyone that you've brought here today lord god though however it is that they got here today lord i pray i thank you that they got here that they got to hear your heart and I pray, Lord God, that I was able to, to picture your heart in a way that was pleasing to you. I pray, Lord God, that it would, it would sear the hearts here, Lord God. That we would understand that everything we do is either for you or against you, Lord God. It seems so black and white, but it is, Lord. And God, I choose to be for you. And those that are up here choose to be for you, Lord God. Honor them today. Encourage them today. Fill them today. Empower them today. Strengthen them today. Give them new ways to worship you. Give them new ways to, to check themselves. Give them new ways to honor you, Lord. Be glorified in all of this today, Lord God. Be glorified. We lift you up. We give it all to you, Lord God. We surrender to you, Lord. Help us to be in living color Lord God from this day forward thank you for supporting the sanctuary fellowship we are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God serving people and building healthy families we pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.